Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ren and Snippy. I try not to say Simpy this time around, but no, Snips is, as we now know, Ahsoka's uh, nickname from uh, Anakin Skywalker. And this was the episode that I think a lot of people were waiting for, uh, especially fans of the cartoon Star Wars series. It's had some big payoffs that we were waiting for in a long time. And this film was, as Jeff and I were talking about earlier, it's it was a theatr it got a theatrical release and I could see why because it's kind of a big screen experience you have and where's my little banner here so I make sure that people know we're spoiling this <laughs> we have the uh, return of Hayden Christensen aka Anakin Skywalker we have the Purgle which are the space whales. And we have Ahsoka, who basically kind of wakes up and is resurrected a lot like Gandalf the White or Jesus Christ or something like that, you know, going <laughs> off of Star Wars's uh, religious allegories. She started um, to smile a lot in this one. Yeah, she had. She, she was a lot happier, I think, now that she... It's a film. It's theater quality. This mm -hmm. this was an amazing, amazing, huge episode. And I, ca I can't imagine seeing that Clone Wars scene in a film in a in a theater with the film quality sound going everything going around me like i, I you know I, I think we're gonna have to go and check it out <laughs> yeah i mean i wouldn't be opposed to seeing it in a the theater one thing i wonder is because they do these special effects on this thing called the unreal engine and what that is is it's a video game engine that game designers use to make games, but you could also make photorealistic uh, special effects with it. Mm. The only caveat to that is if you see it on a big screen, you notice sort of the artificiality of some of it. Mm. I mean, certainly on a small screen, I noticed it with some shows. I mean, last week with Ahsoka, when they revealed Anakin and he turned around and smiled, it looked like some bad de-aging, mm. but... What they did with him here was really impressive. Mm -hmm. I was I was surprised <laughs> how believable Anakin looked, especially when they go back to the Clone Wars, and you know he's giving his monologue to Ahsoka. I'm just going, wow, you know they're really starting to nail this de aging stuff, and they're doing it on a television budget. And yeah, it was spectacular to see, but. Going around the room, what did you guys think of the episode? Jeff, go ahead. Oh, well, you're too kind, John. Uh, I thought it was terrific. I mean, and again, uh, not being as versed in all of the lore as you two, uh, I found it very easy to follow and catch up. And, you know, they did some expositional lines, which were pretty sly. And I, I find myself identifying with the young boy in it who they're telling everything mm -hmm. sort of new to like, well, here's why we do this or here's how this means. And Oh, thank you. Thank you for treating me like I'm that. Uh, that uh, sort of novice as well. But um, I thought it was philosophical. I thought it was exciting, adventurous. It was beautiful. Um, I love any time of any sort of rebirth story, particularly when somebody is born again out of water and yeah. they suddenly uh, change their gray cloak into a white cloak and they mm -hmm. smile more. It was kind of neat to see her become, um, uh, for lack of a better term, born again, I guess, and sort of renewed in her wanting to live and not being sort of 
dour as maybe she was in the first number of episodes as we talked about. Um, but I thought it was terrific and exciting. My only uh, co complaint was uh, I wanted a little more talking between her and Anakin, but I realize mm. it's kind of in her memory. So it's not necessarily like they're going to have a real deep conversation if they haven't had that before. But, um, you know, I'm always interested in hearing the different philosophies of the people who are in it. And I think that, um, uh, you know, this year we've gotten a little bit more of that. Uh, you know, particularly uh, in the last episode when Bowden was talking about why uh, uh, Sabine should come with him and on some of those kind of things. Because uh, I know that Hayden is good at dialogue when he's given good dialogue. You know, he was very good for anybody who's ever seen the movie Shattered Glass, where he kind mm -hmm. of was a talking con artist throughout that. And I, I just wanted a little bit more conversation between uh, those two main characters in that sort of fantasy sequence uh, or whatever it was in in her memory or her head or i think it's sort of in that other world too so maybe it's a little spiritual as well in in, in real time uh, or you know as, as some version of her reality but by and large uh, the only other thing i wished is it was that it was two hours i mean i'm mm -hmm. like you john i wanted it to be a movie because i thought man this stuff is it plays i mean even that scene where they're just on the long you know sort of I don't know what you'd call that. It, it reminded me of Space Mountain a little bit, you know, <laughs> with uh, the stars and the starscape and stuff. And they're sort of walking back and forth, talking to each other and then fighting with the lightsabers and stuff. I mean, that was gorgeous. and It was made for the widescreen. So, you know, you could see that. Imagine in 35 millimeter and, you know, Dawson's way on the one end and, and uh, Hayden Christensen's way on the other. I, it just was a nice use of that space and, and the, the, the sort of chasm between them in some respects, as well as what we'd expect from a, a sort of cinematic take on this. So I was very impressed. And uh, I, I find that, um, you know, the balance between character and philosophy and, um, you know, the, the concept of what is good or bad or what is, you know, constituting a Jedi or not uh, is, is very satisfying here as and there's plenty of lightsaber play. I mean, mm -hmm. if anybody was complaining, like there wasn't enough action in the Mandalorian or some of the past things, I mean, there's some really good and well-staged stun work. That little girl playing the young Ahsoka, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's her doing it or if they got some tiny, you know, uh, stunt person, but that was very well done. And I mean, even just a couple of those, it was, I, it was, they sold it very well. It, it came through. Yeah. So, such, a, such a fun episode. I mean, every week we keep saying, this is the most Rebels episode that we've seen. <laughs> yeah. Live action animation, you know, get the heart of the comic or, or the, the cartoons. And mm -hmm. it, this one just amps it up. There's three episodes left. And I'm almost going to sit here and guarantee you that it's going to be the best three hours of Star Wars that we maybe will ever see in our lives until Dave Filoni does something next. Yeah. Like this show, like I'm, I'm loving that you, Jeff, being somebody that doesn't know the lore, hasn't been a Star Wars freak the whole time is like following it loving it and getting it and that's all Filoni yeah, like that that's yeah. the guy behind the scenes pulling the strings and doing his job to make everything make sense you know like that's 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 like we've mentioned it many many times over the time of the show like he is the broom boy that's his job for Disney is to sweep up the mess that he make <laughs> yeah well, one thing too let me just say quickly oh oh good sorry no I'm no go ahead 
Well, I was going to say one thing to build on that too, John, which I, I love that you brought it up. Uh, if you don't mind me interrupting just quick, Mike, I, I don't want to usurp your next yeah. question or your thoughts on it, but which we want to hear, of course. But, um, you know, that you hear all the time in this business um, uh, about four quadrants, you know, and, and that you could get all the different types of audiences in and stuff like this. And this one seems to be doing that without uh, a sense of being labored. Um, because I find, you know, you've got the, 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 the sort of parent teaching a child or younger person angle, both in the flashbacks with Ahsoka as well as, as, as the present uh, day stuff um, with the general and her son. But uh, you also, I think, get a lot of religious stuff, which is um, interesting. And, and it, while it's not overtly that, it is there for adults who would sort of get symbolism and understand that very well. And then I think you have, you know, the intellectual side as well as the action side, and it blends really well. Um, one of the things I thought when we talked about The Mandalorian back in the day is I liked it a lot. In fact, I was the person on the panel generally with Ian uh, Simmons' show who liked it more than the others. But I said it, it seemed to be very much about parenting. And I, I kept thinking about, you know, is this for like a parent watching it with their kid at home because it's Disney Plus and everything like that. Um, and, and yeah, probably part of the intent because I know Favreau was a parent and, you know, these kinds of themes tend to come into this and maybe they were there already, but uh, this one seems much more subtle about it. And I think it feels very appealing just universally. I think like, again, as you said, John, I'm fairly new to most of this and uh, not knowing the lore and I'm picking up and I'm not sitting there, you know, running for any kind of source book or the Wikipedia page trying to figure out what did they just say? Oh, 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 oh. I miss. I mean, I, I, I even saw in um, uh, one thing that I think they had on YouTube where they're comparing already today a couple of scenes from one of the cartoon shows with things here. And it's like, wow, they're even paying homage uh, to sort of the way it's framed for those who are paying attention or, or delight in that kind of stuff, which so that's a fifth quadrant, if they're real, like the the, you know, the the yeah. Easter egg pantway, <laughs> which, you know, if you can get those guys, you got the other four already. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's screen junkies and Ryan Airy like he, he yeah. does. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it might have been that. I'm not sure. But it was one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Catch they, me up on what you're talking about specifically. Oh, we're, we're just giving our breakdowns of what we thought of the episode. Okay. So and I just said, Hayden, that I said it was for me, who's not a uh, an expert at it like you guys are. I picked up on it very well and uh, was perceiving everything. And I said, it's amazing to me that it, it satisfies your intellectual part of your brain as well as the action side. Yeah. And I think it's there for kids with the messages of sort of parenting and even the young Ahsoka, as well as philosophy about being born again and sort of, mm -hmm. you know, what you choose to do in life. And, yeah. you know, even Anakin saying there's hope for you yet. Like there's still that good part of him. The red from his eyes disappeared when, when he, and she kind of convinced him, even just whether that was just for a moment or two, that's probably over most kids heads other than like, Oh, he's not so bad. But mm -hmm. for people like us, it's like, you know, we live in an area where there's, there's compromise in life and that's what makes people get along, whether it's politics or marriage or whatever else. Uh, and, you know, just some of those kind of adult themes, I think were very appealing, uh, even if they weren't necessarily understood by children. So I was sort of shocked at how this was beautifully done and, and all the things going on in it, let alone the fact that I think it was appealing to all kinds of audiences. Yeah. It was really, it was really accessible. Um, I think, which was, which is going to make it, it's going to make it, it's going to age well, I think, because of that. Because uh, not everybody's going to go back and watch The Clone Wars and Rebels. Right. 
Um, it's just too much homework for people to do. Yeah, right. Um, did you notice that young Ahsoka was Ariana Greenblatt? From yeah. The yes, and uh, the um, and also from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, mm, that was her. Oh, okay, yeah. yes. Totally. She's the go-to fantasy child, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's a phenomenal <laughs> actress. Really, I mean, if she was doing all that stunt work on her own, more power to her. She was very convincing. Oh yeah, yeah. And, she, and just the emotional stuff she had to do with. Yeah, yeah. No, it she was, it was really demanding. And you're right, Mike. It was her. She wasn't in it for very long, but she had a, some demanding material. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. She had to be the. She had to be the the Ahsoka from the cartoon series that we all know. And she mm -hmm. had to bring that to life, and they did a great job separating young Ahsoka from old Ahsoka. Yeah, you know, especially when you have Anakin telling her, "You look old." You know, it it, it makes <laughs> sense now. I was like, yeah, young actress did an amazing job of grabbing the rosario dawson character and not playing the younger like she was playing she looked like the younger version but she was playing the rosario dawson version of ahsoka which was fantastic she was just like questioning everything you know yeah. folding arms like she does yeah, yeah was, that's a great point like older ahsoka in the younger ahsoka skin yeah that was really yeah good. right and you can see that beaming through it was like i mean just the just the acting talent on that on that young person is fantastic like it's she's, demanded yeah it's, it's she obviously lives in epcot she's like part of the marvel disney family now but like, like more let's see more of her like kylo yeah. ren more it's what? a very <laughs> tell me if i'm mistaken about this but i found this show to be much more of a physical show in the sense that like the mandalorian i think is so much um, if, for lack of a better term, encumbered by armor, right? You know, you don't yeah. get, and everybody has a certain amount of, you know, stiffness to them because of that. Even though there's plenty of other things to do, and 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 certainly with uh, the other characters who aren't hidden behind that. Um, but here, it's so physical. I mean, I even found the way that um, uh, Mary Elizabeth Winsett's body language moved here was very specific. Mm -hmm. You know, and. Uh, yeah. You know, very deliberate in some of the way she walks in hasn't in other places and even the way the robot uh i forget his name i'm Chopper? yeah oh, yeah. Uh, yeah was was uh you know bowing his head and stuff it's a very specific actorly kind of quality there it's not just yeah. kind of this by road thing it's like that's that character's way of being introspective and i wonder it's if physical well i was gonna say literally feloni again bringing rebels into live action animation. Like he's mm -hmm. taking the shot, like shot for shot stuff that you would see in Rebels. He's literally stealing shots from Star Wars movies. Like we have the lightsaber light up, which you saw in the Jedi Temple. Like he's, right. he's and like we mentioned last week, he's bringing all of the best Star Wars that we've seen and not doing what The Force Awakens did and just rehashing stuff and sending the Millennium Falcon. Like he's given us the best of the best without literally like without us knowing it but we still know it i don't know it's kind of, it's kind of hard to explain he's like sneaking this oh it's, it's just so good fantastic way that he builds episodes and the the, sh the shot angles that he's using and the way that he does you the body language and everything it's just go ahead Aiden. i'm sorry no 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 You're, i had so i had a, just a really good um i think that's a really good point i think that he did he does a really good job kind of honoring what star wars is Mm -hmm. um, in a way that feels so seamless that you kind of have to think about it to notice it. Um, mm -hmm. I think one of the things that I'm noticing about this show is that I've had to kind of curb my expectations a little bit and change my expectations because I thought this was going to be more, I thought Thrawn was going to be here by now, right? I mm -hmm. thought I had my own thoughts about like, oh, you know, we should already have, but 
this is really about, rightly so, Ahsoka and not Thrawn. This is the lead up. Right, to- right. And so just remembering that, I enjoyed this episode a lot more. Mm-hmm. Instead of being disappointed that I didn't get, you know, what I wanted out of it, I got something really, really, really good. Um, and the, the Pergo looked great. Like the space whales looked mm-hmm. so good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And, and, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Uh, Oh, uh, well, though, I was, I was going to say, like, this this was an episode that felt like a movie. You know, it felt like you were watching a Star Wars film that we've always kind of wanted to see. I know John and I talked about this a lot where we're like, we're going to get the Clone Wars and we're going to get Anakin in Clone Wars armor. And then we finally got it. But it wasn't mm-hmm. just like a bunch of dumb fan service where they're just going around and slashing no, it's robots. And, yeah. Like the the whole idea of that scene was to have Ahsoka question really as she has in the Clone Wars her purpose as a Jedi. Like, am I supposed to be a keeper of the peace or a warrior and a soldier? Because mm-hmm. I don't want to be that. That's not what I trained for. But unfortunately, as Anakin told her, you have to adjust to the times, and the times forced her to do this. And this really felt like a war it didn't feel like the clone wars in attack of the clones where it was like a bunch of clones you didn't care about and a bunch of robots you didn't care about fighting each other this was about people that these guys cared for you know like if you watch the clone wars there is a lot of development with the clones themselves like there's an episode where one of them actually has a family of his own and he left the life of a soldier, although their entire creation and purpose is to fight. And here you see how Ahsoka really cares for these guys. There's that wonderful scene where there's that one clone trooper in the bed and, you know, Ahsoka Mm -hmm. is putting her hand on him and he touches her hand. I kind of wish they had a DH to wear a Morrison laying there because he kind of had like a blanket over his face. And I'm just thinking, wouldn't that, wouldn't he have trouble breathing if he's already injured? And they're just shoving like <laughs> something on his face right then. But it really established how Ahsoka was brought up in this warlike state as a little kid. And it really makes you question the Jedi Order, which is why did these guys have to fight? And yes, it is to keep people safe from the separatists who were going around and invading planets and killing people. But at the same time, you know, she's not learning to be sort of this monk-like figure she's supposed to be. Instead, she is this warrior who is questioning her own existence. And when she has that little back and forth with Anakin about that, she has, well, a couple of them. You know, it really kind of brought in some character development to Ahsoka herself in Ahsoka that we haven't seen and we really needed to get. And we were wondering, like, how's Hayden going to be? How's his acting? He's still a little wooden, you know, but he definitely has a lot more personality than he did in, say, the prequels. Because Yeah, the bar is still low, though. I mean... Yeah, it's still a low bar. Like, there are still some parts where he's just like, Ahsoka, we're going to do this. And he just sounds like he's bored. Which, I mean, again, like Jeff was saying, Shadow Glass... He can look pretty bored most of the time. That's... (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's just like, yeah, I'm just going to go through life and do this, you know. Yeah. One of, the, one of the things I did like about the flashback, the Clone Wars flashbacks, is how 
they were these big battles, but they felt very intimate because of like the, the smoke and the, the haze and stuff. Um, we really got a lot of one-on-one -on -one time when in reality it was in the middle of a battle. Like they were, they were in the middle yeah. of an active like campaign, right? It was like, in the, you know, it starts, it was like stopping in the middle of a battlefront campaign to talk to your comrades, right? I don't know if you've ever played Battlefront, but oh, yeah. which, which campaign was it? It was the Siege of Mandalore yes. that Andrew yeah. was really yeah. trying to focus on. So that's yeah. that's where he was trying to get her attention. Was like, where did you begin your thought process? Mm -hmm. Yes, of basically of like leaving the the Jedi Order. Like, when did you start to see through our bullshit? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was kind of when that started. And for me, this whole episode, honestly, is about her. Like in in the first episode, she tells you without telling you that she's a gray Jedi, right? Yeah, she right. walked away from Anakin, kind of looked at the dark side and was like, yeah, I could fuck around with that a little bit. Why not? Yeah. yeah. She went into Morgan's head, got the information out illegally or un-Jedi illegally, whatever you want to call it. Unethically. She's yeah. telling that she's a gray Jedi. The whole sequence, everything that got us up to the point where she's fighting Anakin in the world between worlds, which I don't know if you know what that is, but we'll talk about that later. It's kind of amazing that they brought that to real life from the I know what yeah, right. like, they're yeah. trying to explain something with that but anyway like her her whole fight with anakin basically forces her to choose like do you want to be a dark side a dark jedi or a, a dark side user do you want to be a light side user you can't be a gray jedi like they just mm -hmm. they don't work out well so it's yeah. like you live and you become the white jedi you literally wake up and you become the white good Jedi, or you're going to die here in this water and come with me, Vader, work to wherever I'm going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The world of the worlds, I'm not crazy about some of it. I think that, I mean, because it, it, it might potentially bring in time travel to Star Wars, and I want time travel to stay. Huh? That's the four. It's the, it's, it, the, the world between worlds is a physical representation of the entirety of the force that's yeah so once you're in there you can literally go anywhere you become the force yeah, and you can true. literally go anywhere do anything you want at any time but the only way to attain that is to go to the light side and blah 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 like we, yeah, we, yeah. we get, but they're trying to give you a physical representation of what happens to you when you become the force it's not just like this place that you go and hang out yeah, you can time travel. You can go into your own history, like Doctor Sam Beckett, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. and make you know make you can't make decisions. You can't change things, but you can go back there and like see how you learned and like do things. But they're trying to give you a physical representation of what the force is and what happens when you decide to become one with it. And that's kind of amazing, actually, because you're all like one with the force. Like, what does that even? Nobody knows what that means. But they're trying extremely hard to explain what it is. And yeah, that's what they're doing. And they've been doing that since the Clone Wars. They did it in Rebels. And then now they're doing it in live action. And there is going to be a lot of pushback because people are like, I don't want magic in Star Wars. Well, guess what? Of course it's ma yeah, it's magic. Yeah, yeah. It's all <laughs> magic. I mean, it's, it's all... They're space, they're space wizards. They're, they're... They can do anything they want. I mean, once you saw them doing huge flippy jumps. Yeah, they're, they're samurais that use magic in space like that's yeah. that, 
what Star Wars is. an awesome thing to be able to say out loud, by the way. But Magic Summarize in Space. Come on, guys. Then bring the world between worlds into live action, into canon, into people's homes, and be like, this yeah. is. He, I mean, I don't know if they're going to say what I just said and like actually explain out loud, but that is what it is. Here's like, what it, I'm confused about is in Rebels, remember, John, because I think you and I are really well-versed on this stuff. In Rebels, if I remember correctly, Ezra used the world between worlds to pull Ahsoka out of the past and save her. Mm -hmm. So they can use it for that purpose. That, and that's kind of what I'm afraid of. That That's where my, like, special people can do special things with it. And that's where my Kenobi um, theory comes in. Yeah. Where he, he, was, he was using force. Okay, so force projection is you... Literally become a Force ghost. Luke did it, right? Yeah. In Rise of Skywalker. He became a Force ghost, and you can physically do stuff as a Force ghost. You become a living being outside of your body. That's what Force projection is, right? Yeah. But you're not supposed to be able to go back to your body after you leave it. It's kind of like, mm. uh, like, I don't know, uh, transcendence or something like that. Yeah. You hit this level, and you just, you're, not just, you're just not coming back. Yeah, you're leveling up and you're... Kenobi was extremely special. So he was able to, while he was force projecting himself on Tatooine to be with Luke, and while he was fighting Vader, Darth Maul interrupts him. Yeah, that's true. He has to, he has to scurry back through the world between worlds. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Leave that fight. He just disappears and comes back and ends the Maul situation. Yeah. That's, that's my theory. I have no idea if that's going to happen, but some people can use the world with between worlds in an extra special way. Ezra yeah. can do it. Kenobi can do it. Ahsoka has done it. That's three that we know of. Yeah. No, no, that's Yoda, true. That's... Yoda is probably doing it right now. Like he went to Dagobah for a reason. Oh, he's probably <laughs> flipping all over the place out in the world. He's probably just flipping from like bridge to bridge. Just <laughs> I just imagine him doing his Yoda flip like <laughs> Yeah. Between attack of the clone scream, yeah, that's so funny. Oh my god, yeah, that that was what got me laughing in that scene. Was like it wasn't him flipping, but just the screaming he was doing as he was I loved doing it. it. I was like, Frank Oz is going all out. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, uh, one thing too that uh, I'm sure you guys see this, but I, I have to say, having watched uh, the series and 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 all the movies now too, one of the things I really like about that this series is doing that I don't remember anything else being done as much in this realm in the past in, in any of the previous films or shows is they spend a good deal of time um, getting to understand characters that aren't either Sith or Jedi. Yep. And what I mean yeah. by that is I, I think it's interesting that the whole character of uh, Hera is there not only as, you know, sort of the other teacher, if you will, in a typical way, which is not like, you know, master apprentice kind of way that we talk about Ahsoka and, and, uh, and um, Anakin and stuff, but more parent child. But I also love the fact that here she is, she's this big head of the, the, uh, the sort of military or whatever. Yeah. And yet she's compassionate. She's kind. She's soft-spoken. She smiles. She's got bright eyes, even though those blue contacts may be a touch unsettling still to me. Uh, <laughs> but I love the fact that they spend time on her. Like, it's not just like, well, if you're not a Jedi, then you're just kind of a supporting person who is there to sort of move the story along. No, no. Uh, you know, we're, we're getting into these. And I know they probably did that in the books and, and even the animated series and such. Mm -hmm. um, heck, they do it on the... I watched a little bit of the uh, Kid Jedi thing they have on Disney Channel <laughs> over the weekend just to catch up and see how other... 
things to be done, which was pretty good. There, I have to say, it's Young Jedi well Adventures. Yes, it's a pretty well done show. I thought. Oh, um, I haven't seen uh, it yet. No, it's it's actually. I mean, you guys as as uh, as Star Wars aficionados would probably dig it because uh, yeah, it's like wow, they're doing a pretty good job for these little tykes. What's that? The young Wookiee Jedi is like a teenager. Yes, yes, uh, and, uh, yeah. It's, it, but it's very well done, and even the enemies aren't the quite as black and white as you'd say necessarily. And they've got some good twists. But the other thing that I loved about this episode and um, Yang when he was two different times, and usually you just kind of throw away the the, the robot as the comic relief, and to, to a large degree, Tennant does that here in the role. But in two different times, we're allowed to hear him uh, feel bad. You know, mm -hmm. like they never listen to me. Yeah, they never mm -hmm. do. Or when he told uh, uh, Hera, you know, well, that's why you're so popular. You're very yeah, nice, you know, yeah. your, and stuff. And I just love that he's got a thought process. They're mm -hmm. they're giving him some time on screen to show you what he's thinking, as opposed to just moving the story along. I. I I love that they're doing that here and they do that quite a bit. And yet it doesn't feel like it's filler. It doesn't no. feel like it's wasting time. It's like, no, that is adding to the story. And I think again, yeah. it, it's a lot about who is a Jedi and who's a Sith and what it takes to be those. But I also think with Sabine and some of the others, it's like, what if you're on the periphery of that? What if you can't be a Jedi or you don't want to be a Sith, but where do you fit in with the fight? And even a general doesn't have to be, you know, Arlie Ermy the whole damn time. I mean, these yeah. people can be compassionate warriors. I think yeah. that's what that's where Ahsoka like. <laughs> Thank you, I'm John. <laughs> this is what I've always said about Kanan and and Star Wars Rebels, and I think this applies to Ahsoka now. Is they kind of blur the mentor mentee yeah. archetype, um, right? And just like you said, Hera kind of blurs that archetype as well. I think that's really really interesting because you have these people who are teaching each other, but they're also learning from each other, right? Uh, so you don't have any clear dynamic where it's like, no, this is the teacher, this is the student. They're all kind of students and teachers to each other. And and maybe it's because it's women too, as women characters, and maybe that's one of the the uh, sort of aesthetics here. But um, there's more respect talking to them. There's not this like all this rank and shit. Like you know, well that's yeah. you don't get it. You're not me. You're not this. You're not yeah. whatever. You're not a uh, uh, you know uh, somebody who's bullshit. You're, it's not like Anakin where he's like, you're going to be everything I am. <laughs> right, right. The underlying themes, and I think they say something similar to it in almost every episode, is now is not the time for a lesson. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. But now is always a time. It's like Dorothy, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz. She's, you know, she's doing the power yeah. thing, you know, there's doing that. And it's so funny because it, it reminds me, continually reminds me that Anakin is wrong on this. He goes, live or die. It's like, no, she's going to live and she doesn't have to be a badass yeah, or he's wrong you know, a lot. Yeah. terrible to do it. I mean, it's like you kind of bought into the whole wrong thing, Anakin. And, you know, oh, you're yeah. still not quite getting it even in the afterlife. No, he's not, we are. He is not <laughs> a role model in so many ways. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, but, Yoda always warned about him. He always said, "Like this, this, this kid is trouble. Watch out!" And nobody listened. And Obi of course, Obi Wan knew from day one. I'm telling you, that's why yeah. he lied to him about the high yeah. ground. Yeah, yeah. yeah. From day, he was scared of Anakin from the moment that he met him. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, not only because Obi Wan is Obi Wan, but Obi Wan is more than likely the actual chosen one. That's what I was thinking too. He defeats 
uh, Vader like twice, mm-hmm. and he's never tempted to go to the dark side. And boy, he could go there. I mean, Anakin could have turned his heart to stone, and he could have become this this curmudgeon dark side user. And he doesn't do that. Luke wouldn't have become a Jedi, and all of that whole situation wouldn't have happened. So he, like, literally is the one. He's like the kingpin or the the nexus of Star Wars. Really, everything. If you look at him, everything focuses on him. Without him, there is. No story anywhere, really. Yeah. It's, no, it's also, I think, one of the reasons that Balin here is more of an interesting foil, at least in the episodes we've seen so far, is that there's nuance to him. You know, where I mean, I think part of the problem that Hayden Christensen maybe has as an actor here is that he's so just a prick, you know. And I mean, there's a couple of lines he says, like, well, you know, there maybe you're going to be okay. And you know, you, you can see a little bit of the hint of it and admiring Ahsoka, even though he's disappointed that. Uh, She's challenging him, and she doesn't get it that it what it takes and stuff. But I love the fact that uh, you know uh, Balin Skull is is suggesting that maybe there's more to this than just being vicious. You know that maybe there's a little bit more choice here, and for lack of a better term, nuance. Where I think. You know, even when James Earl Jones, I think, would do the voiceover, you know, you'd see that body language and his voice. There was a little more knowingness as opposed to I'm just a blunt instrument kind of thing that, you know, you get from the young Anakin, which is a maybe that contributes to Hayden being a little dull, too. Balin comes across as honorable. Yes. Yes. Anakin was never honorable. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Balin oh, gives Sabine the uh, <laughs> option. It's almost like he's General Robert E. Lee, you know. I mean, Robert E. Lee was offered the role of running the Union Army, and he thought about it. Uh, but, you know, I mean, he was still, he, still a traitor and bad things and everything. But, you know, Robert E. Lee wasn't just some crazy, you know, mustachio-swirling shithead. I mean, he was. But ultimately, you know, same with what you're saying is there's a there's a certain honorability to, to, to Balin, and, and I think – with certain people who are true military operatives, uh, whether it's George Patton or whomever else, you know, they may be SOBs, but there's a certain code that they're living to where Anakin, when he killed all those children, clearly was just about, you know, overtaking and being powerful and evil. Yeah. And being gullible by Palpatine. He told him, kill every single Jedi. And he's like, okay, like without thinking about it twice, you know, Anakin, Is I mean, if, if there's one problem with the prequels, is it demystifies Vader, yeah. and when they make him, they could have made him like this sympathetic figure, which is what the Clone Wars did, mm-hmm. but the, you know the prequels, they kind of just made him this whiny little jerk the whole time, <laughs> and yeah, and that's what what kind of turned people off from it. I mean, mm-hmm. here through Anakin teaching Ahsoka and going through her past. You, you kind of see more of the man Anakin was. He mm-hmm. was arrogant. He was destructive. But at the same time, he did care about Ahsoka. And he did care about winning this war. And unfortunately, you know, I think war wasn't the best thing for Anakin to get into. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that's, that's what was ultimately his destruction was basically the constant violence around him. And, you know... If anything, Obi-Wan was probably even more of a Jedi by quitting being a Jedi at a certain point after Vader because he 
saw the mistakes, I think, of the Jedi Order and didn't want to be a part of it. But unlike Luke, who became bitter and angry and went off to an island, you know, Obi-Wan, he, he went off to like a little part of space himself, you know, on Tatooine, but he still wanted to care for Luke and still help other people. You know, here you don't, you, you see that dynamic with Ahsoka where she wants to live. She's living to save her friends, you know, and to save the galaxy from Thrawn. And that was kind of her new lease on life, which is, okay, I'm back. And yes, I am this warrior, but I'm doing this to save people. And I understand what my master was trying to teach me. But at the same time, I understand that the way he taught it and maybe some of the lessons he had weren't the best for me. Well said. You know, one of the things that I think they could have maybe directed Hayden Christensen, at least in those yeah. uh, the two movies that he did in the, the prequels, is, uh, you know, sort of the old advice that most actors get when they're being directed by a good director who knows how to approach character. Uh, and that is that you always play the villain like he's the good guy. Larry Hagman yeah. once said that when he did Dallas, he said, I don't approach this any different than I did major Nelson in I dream of Jeannie uh, because I think I'm in the right. Like I'm the guy who's who understands the oil business best. And I like women and, and they like me and it's, you know, it's not cheating. It's me being that, you know, guy who's spreading the cheer, if you yeah. will, right? Um, yeah. And I think with, you know, Hayden Christian's like, okay, I'm bad. I'm killing all the children or whatever else. Yeah, it's, but, but I mean, think about the way James Earl Jones, even the casting there. I mean, you cast this Shakespearean actor who played mostly good people in films and all that, and he had this incredible voice. I mean, if you were really tr trying to say this is the baddest ass in the galaxy, you know, the cliche would be to cast somebody who talks like this, you know, and like a monster <laughs> yeah. guy like Freddy Krueger or something. But even Freddy had a sense of or, humor. Or um, but, but, but instead, like that. Right, so. but instead it's like, you know, Darth Vader, I mean, when he choke somebody without touching him but most of the time he's like he's an authoritative king who knows how to get his court in order and he's running it like a well-oiled business you know and mm. then they fuck up he's like you will pay for that comment you know but he's not yeah. like you will pay for that yeah. comment you know he's, <laughs> it, and where Hayden Christians is like always oh, glowering and walking around like I'm the bad guy it's like no play it like you think you're good and why should you be convincing Ahsoka you're not going to get her to come over when you when you treat her like, you know, she's a grunt in the army, if she's special, you have to treat her special. And that would be what would convince her to come over. That's what Ray Stevenson, I think, understands as the actor. To your point, mm -hmm. John, he's he's uh, he's got more going on. He's more thoughtful and everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he br he brings, you know, a certain British uh, articulation to it. <laughs> yes. uh, but when he does, there's that like there's that scene with Sabine Wren where, you know, He's instead of saying, give me the map or I'll kill you. He's saying, give me the map so we can find Ezra together. Right. You know? And he's and he's you do very well with us. Him. I think you'd like it. You know, shit. Yeah. Maybe maybe they got a better dental plan, too. I should maybe consider. Yeah. This. <laughs> Join yeah, exactly. the between side. We have cookies. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when, every Wednesday is casual Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but then once we get past the Anakin stuff and we get to the reawakened Ahsoka, that's where the show kind of it finds the dark element of Star Wars, but then it goes towards the light adventure side. And that's what Dave Filoni really knows so well. You know, when they find those Purgle and they're about to embark oh, on a journey 
you know, you feel excited to go on that path. Yeah, well, I don't know where they're going to go. I don't know what to expect from next. I have no idea what to expect. They're going to a different fucking galaxy. Like, yeah, neither does Ahsoka. They said, where are we going? She's like, I have no idea. <laughs> First star yeah. and to the left or something. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah never land. Um, <laughs> if there's one thing that concerns me is like, we probably won't see Thrawn. We won't see him until the last episode. I'm starting to worry, but... I don't know. Maybe, maybe they'll. Six has to open up with his face. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't you guys think that there's going to be a first five episodes, perfect the, setup. Next the, three hours, it's going to be all Thrawn, I think. I mean, it has to be. We're, it's a show about Ahsoka, so they're going to be following her. Yeah. By the way, the radio. Ezra, whatever's left of the Empire, shit's going to go down. Honestly, yeah. I think Hu Yang was maybe the wrong robot to take with because mm. he is so knowledgeable in the force if Thrawn gets his hands on that robot that's mm. or, or droid where that's that's bad news for into it right there but yeah this I mean the next three hours are going to be some of the best Star Wars we're ever going to see or witness in our life unless you've already watched seven years of the Clone Wars yeah. and four years of Rebels and nine movies, and 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 if you haven't seen all of that shit, get buckle up. The next three hours are going to be the wow. best. Yeah, well, Is this going to be two seasons though? Because I read no. when it first started that they were only going to do this as one season, which is a shame because mm, the ratings series. have been really good, and uh, they're getting more people with each week. And uh, I mean, Disney has its first. Uh, truly bona fide streaming hit in in the last three or four shows they've aimed at where the the audience is increasing with each week well the idea is that they're leading towards kind of an heir to the empire crossover event. Mm -hmm. um that's gonna be i think it's gonna be re released theatrically oh you know? okay yeah john yeah. may know a little bit more about this than i do but it's um this is all leading towards a huge crossover event that mm -hmm. they teased it, it um they first announced it at disney Inve investor day in 2020 and that's when they kind of announced like Kenobi, they announced Ahsoka. That's mm. uh, so this is all leading towards something. So we're probably going to see Mando and Bo Katan again. We're probably we're going to see everybody again. Um, mm. It's all going to be, and honestly, Mando season three, I think I said this last week. I, I hated it. Um, <laughs> it wasn't that good. I, I didn't hate it, but I felt like, boy, they, they just didn't have any ideas for this one and they rushed it through the door. It wasted my it, I felt like they wasted my time. Hundred yeah. percent. I honestly think they should have just named renamed it Mandalorians, right? And like take, take yeah. that that the concept of the Mandalorian and just bring it forward. There was no reason for them to keep focusing on Din. Agree. I, I yeah. 100% agree. They should have just called it Mandalorians and been like, okay, we opened the door. Here's the rest mm -hmm. of them. Well, because then, then season it, by the time we get to season six, just have it called Mandalore. Just yeah. give us everything. That pretty much solves its focus problem, right? If you just call it Mandalorians, then it can yep. go all over the place because it's not yep. just about one of them. No, that's a good point. It's John, I know, and I'm going to ask you this because I know that you've seen Rebels. What did you think of uh, Zeb's appearance? And I thought he looked like shit. I'm glad you mentioned it because I'm, I'm really, I don't know, I'm, I'm a little concerned that they aren't using him. It's they, they mm. did. I mean, I know it's hard to render a character like that and to use it, and it wasn't that great in that episode of yeah, you know, that when we saw him. But like, where is he? Like, yeah. how come it, you're, it you're a lot of sense. on lightsaber fights and, and all this beautiful 
background and like the Clone Wars and the world between like give us some animated characters that work well on screen. Yeah, you got the the five senators standing there, right? When Mon Mothma is yeah, like, yeah, exactly. And the one dude that's uh, you know, a non-human is also a non-speaking character. Like that's that's figure that out, Star Wars. Like all the characters that speak can't just be people. No, it's yeah. true. I mean, you're in a galaxy. You have yeah. to start bringing them in. They have to. Yeah. Well, Ahsoka well, is. Make people and put foam on their heads and be like, that's an alien. Like, no, to figure out live action animation shit, blend the. Like, they're, yeah. you can already see they're trying to do it with the holograms, like, they're working on it, but they're faking their way into it with the holograms. I don't know yeah. if you guys noticed that. Yeah. Like, we have the technology, but we're not going to use it just yet. Except for these holograms, we're getting yeah, right. so they're right. they're working on it. But yeah, I want to see Zeb. I was I was honestly a little bit um, hopeful that maybe Kenobi and Anakin would be there in the Clone Wars sequence because yeah. both of them were. I mean, technically, Anakin was Ahsoka's master, and Anakin was Kenobi's Padawan. Blah blah blah. But Kenobi trained them both. Yeah, and we know that. Yeah. If you watched, if you watch, if Jeff, if you watch, go ahead and watch seven years of the, <laughs> like Kenobi trained both of them. He was a big influence in her life. Yeah. Just yeah. because Anakin. So I was hoping yeah. that he would jump in there. Yeah, it makes me want to go back and watch. Um, because they a couple of things I saw today. Um, and even when they were first starting this a couple of years ago, when uh, Ahsoka was going to be on the Mandalorian, was it season two where she was introduced? Um, oh, yeah. They, uh, they, I saw some bits and pieces of the animated series and they look fantastic. And I know that there's been some comparisons between even some of the stuff here, literally shot for shot or a sort mm -hmm. of idea. Yeah. And it looks terrific. And I know that that's where a lot of people really thought they did Anakin right uh, because they showed so much more of what his story was between really being the kid and Darth, you know, and I mean, there was, if, if I recall the, the movies with Christensen, it seems they spend more time on his romance with Natalie Portman than, mm -hmm. Any it's of that, not, yeah, that other stuff, which didn't play very well either. He also so. hated, you know, we we also got it loud and clear that he hated sand. So, mm -hmm. you know, we have to deal with that now. <laughs> which I mean, it makes sense why he didn't like sand. I mean, he came from Tatooine. Okay, but you don't have to say it like that. It was so bad. Oh yeah, no, that that's George Lucas's dialogue, and that's just the casting department. Have you, you heard know? him defend the dialogue in that movie? George Lucas has been like, if you oh, think yeah. this is like bad dialogue, you're missing the point of the movie. I'm like. <laughs> What that it's supposed to be a movie? Like, yeah, the, the like, point is, is, is what the dialogue is supposed to be bad? Like, it's not supposed it's to be bad. So the dialogue wasn't bad in A New Hope, you know. Mm -hmm. So, what do you, what's your argument there, George? And it's same with, yeah, same with the same with the acting where people are like, "Well, George Lucas can't uh, direct actors." I'm like, I don't know. Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher. And Harrison Ford were pretty good in that movie. Yeah, they're great. Like, I don't know. Yeah, don't, like, direct the criticism away from them because they are so good. Yeah, yeah, they're great. Uh, I just think Hayden Christensen, I don't know, like, he was great. Again, like Shattered Glass, as Jeff was saying, he was great in. He was great as kind of playing this dorky guy who wanted to make up a story and gets caught and then doesn't know how to handle things when the shit hits the fan. And in Star Wars, he's just too dry because I think Hayden Christensen is 
maybe just kind of a boring person and it comes across on the screen. <laughs> Mike. I, don't, I yeah. just don't think they had any kind of Anakin character like actually fleshed out or thought of. So he was just oh, playing yeah. he was just playing mm -hmm. that character as Vader, mm, which yeah. was a horrible mistake, obviously. Yeah. It was a means to an end, right? And that's where the Clone Wars came in and kind of filled in the Anakin character and kind of helped. Well, that's one of the reasons I said, "Oh, I'm sorry." Blah blah blah. You know, yep. it, it's literally what he's doing. So maybe five, ten years from now, we can go back and be like, "Oh, you know, I kind of understand Kylo Ren now." <laughs> well, the one thing I was saying early on Hayden, that you didn't hear when uh, uh, Mike asked me what I thought of the episode, I said the one thing that I was missing from it is. I, I keep when they whenever they bring back uh, Anakin and, and they did an Obi Wan here and stuff like that. He doesn't have very much to say, considering he's really the head Sith and the biggest bad guy in the galaxy and AFI's greatest villain of all time. You know that kind of stuff. So let's hear his philosophy of all stuff. Let's hear what his game plan, his approach. It can't just be like I am dominant. You know, there's got to be yeah. more strategy than there was. I mean, and I would argue that in the first three movies, Darth Vader did have a strategy, mm -hmm. uh, and and as did the Empire. Um, I wanted more dialogue when, when Ahsoka was talking to him. I wanted them to hash it out a little bit more. You know, it, and I mean, I know they're going to default to the lightsaber thing because everybody wants that and it's exciting yeah. and they do it well. But once I wish they would just like have a real philosophical discussion for four minutes and ask mm -hmm. the viewers to listen to it. Because I think some of the things that we talk about in this show and you guys clearly know uh, backwards and forwards about what makes a Sith and what makes a Jedi would be worth talking about, especially when your main character this year is, is in that gray area, right down to the first five episodes, she's wearing the gray. And then when she's kind of reborn, she's wearing white. I mean, it couldn't be more Gandalf, but it's also, you know, saying that, you know, she was in sort of that middle area as you were talking about John. And they don't even talk about that. Instead, it's just this or that you must make a choice. No. And, and mm -hmm. even the scenes we're seeing are showing there's that gray area. They're stopping and talking to dying, you know, fighters and stuff. And, and, and there's time to mourning here. And yet when they give Anakin a line to say, he sounds like he's two dimensional. Yeah, I, absolutes, yeah, which yeah. that statement is an absolute in itself. Kenobi, what are you doing? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was kind of up from the beginning. I'm telling you. Yeah, get out and get out of here. Yeah, just like. <laughs> but I mean, but, but he became an adult. But I mean, I think you know, by the time he turned into James Earl Jones, I think he was a much more interesting character, mm -hmm. a much more. Even when he was talking to Luke about why I come over, it's like, you don't know what it's like to experience this. It's, you know, but it's like, wow, tell me. Well, let's hear your let's Damn, let's hear your yeah. pitch. Tell me why I should give you my business. You know, be that uh that tough CEO that he seems to be running that yeah. ship. <laughs> and and Vader, he, he I think he's more interesting when he's more mysterious. And I think when you kind of mm -hmm. remove that mystery, you have to mm -hmm. have really good writing too. Yeah you know, establish him. And well, he's more of the face of the empire than the emperor. Is. So he's got to get yeah. out there and do the dirty work. Right. Yeah. Well, he's literally like the emperor's lackey. He told Vader but, but to kill the, everyone. My point is he's the face of the, like the emperor prefers the shadows, right? You never right. really see yeah. the emperor doing public appearances and shit. 
Yeah. Peter is the one who's like, oh, you need that guy gone? Okay, I'll go get it done. Like, yeah, yeah. Can I just throw in one sort of, out, sort of outside reference, which you guys as movie fans may very well appreciate this. But uh, there was a movie, I think it was 1978, called Capricorn One, about a fake Mars mm. uh, astronaut trip. And Hal Holbrook is the villain. And he's the head of NASA, but he's the bad guy in it. And he has this scene uh, half an hour into the movie where he has to sit down and tell him why he's going to ask these three astronauts to fake the moon land, to fake the Mars landing. And it's this 10 minute uh, wonderful, uh, you know, sort of monologue that he basically says, like, here's why you have to do it. And it's mm -hmm. almost like, you know, somebody convincing you that you have to give money to UNICEF. And he thinks he's in the right and he thinks he's good. And it's this wonderfully like well-spoken, charming. Sometimes he laughs, sometimes he's sweet. Sometimes he's like those sons of bitches, you know, like they didn't, they got mad that we preempted a rerun of Lucy. I love Lucy after the fifth. Uh, NASA. <laughs> if it was an original show of I love Lucy, I could understand, but it was a goddamn rerun. And yeah. I just wanted to hear Anakin at some point in any of this somewhere talk about something other than just those lines like, well, you must make a choice. It's either live or die. It's not yeah. that black and white, and it never yeah. was with James Earl Jones and, and Darth Vader in the first three movies. Let's hear that philosophical. I want to hear him do the hell over 10 minutes of making a saga go like, wow, maybe, you know, maybe there's something to be said about this. Yeah. It was pretty stilted. She's not in the area until she's reborn. Yeah, and th there is like a side of Anakin they show in the in the Clone Wars TV series where he is a lot more delicate and protective of Ahsoka. There's the whole thing where like the Jedi Order puts right. her under trial for something where she's framed, and he's yeah. the only one defending her. It's like where's that guy? Yeah, I wanted to see a little bit of that Anakin. Yeah, you're right. Who had a heart, and we didn't see that. We we kind of just saw more of like be a soldier or you'll die. Like yeah. again. I was thrilled to see, you know, live action Clone Wars, you know, but yeah. And I was thrilled to see like even like some some better acting from Hayden because he has better dialogue than what George gave him. Oh but my God, yeah. It, you know, but the, the show could benefit from like a few more flashbacks with it, Anakin. It could have but I don't from him watching the cartoon series and getting a feel for that character because that's what we wanted to see. From yeah. our Anakin want, live action was that see, it's oh, it's almost two, two completely different Anakins, the the cartoon Anakin versus the live action, like he really needed to study the cartoon version of himself, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like it's a weird I, thing for yourself to do, but like well, that's Hayden Christensen did do that. He studied Matt Lantern and like copied his speech patterns, mm -hmm. and you can hear it a little bit here. <laughs> the Darth Vader can a character to Anakin. That's not what we, yeah. that's not what we need. That's not who Anakin, Anakin wasn't Darth Vader yet. And that's right. Uh, right. Mm -hmm. where right. Lucas screwed up in the prequels and where like, they're kind of like on Rocky ground right now. It's like, he's, that's not, I mean, it was kind of in this flashback sequence. Cause that's the point that he was trying to get across. Yeah. He's like, are you going to be an Anakin? Are you going to be a Vader? Make your choice. You can't mm -hmm. be a gray figure mm -hmm. it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? She's like, oh shit! I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna wake up and yeah, Gandalf rises from the ocean. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, in a way, she is great because she she finds the good in Anakin and brings him back as a you know because he has the red in his eyes, mm -hmm. and then when you know he moves mm -hmm. away, he goes back to his old self, mm -hmm. and when he says there's hope for you, it's like there's a little bit of the old Anakin, but at the same time, it's still like you didn't have to fight her. 
in order to you know have a lesson but it's star wars it's it that action yeah here's it, my it, proposal for the world between worlds what i think they should do with it is use it to go and undo the holiday special <laughs> <laughs> you just you know have fucking lumpy and chewbacca's family chilling right. you know doing their life day shit and then vader just decapitates all of them by the way, let me ask you guys this, since you would know this, and, and speaking about undoing unseemly things in this canon, <laughs> yeah. um, uh, the most recent, maybe it was the director's cut or one of those special uh, reissues, but I swear to God, they cut out some of the Ewok song in Return of the Jedi. Am I wrong on they that? They did. Uh, okay. They got rid of in the I was going to say, wasn't there like this? It felt like it was a jingle for uh, I mean, you know, I diapers. I think it was an act of mercy for the fans. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, I think the like, last time I saw this, like, wait a minute, I think they cut that terrible song. I will say some of the changes in the special edition aren't bad. And, and Ruskovic is junk. What's yeah, but a lot of it's bad. The Some of the special edition, the extra stuff they added to Empire is kind of cool, especially with Bespin. They added windows and just yeah, added it right. and made it just look a little bit better. The rest of it was just like Boba Fett dancing. I, that drives me up the fucking wall. Like, I don't, they just, they destroyed that character with that scene. He's well, just hanging with Jabba's hookers and he's just like dancing. Oh, like, man. Like, Return of the Jedi. And why? Man. Why would they do that there? What was the possible? They had more Muppets than Jedi in the originals. Why did they add more Muppets? Made no, <laughs> make no sense. Yeah, they, they had a whole know. musical note. Oh, that's, that's why I own the despecialized editions. I cannot watch Return of the Jedi with Vader yelling no. Oh, and just oh, yeah. watch that I know. I also don't like uh, them laugh. making uh, um, Han Solo react to uh, the shot in the cantina. It's like, so, no, I'm shot first because he knows what's coming and he's smart. He's not yeah. like, oh, I guess I'm just a better shot. No. Yeah, and and how do you miss when you're that close? Like, exactly. how is that possible? But, but yeah, I mean, because I guess George Lucas's argument was that, uh, you know, Han Solo isn't a cold-blooded killer. And it's like, we get that, but he was just doing it to keep himself alive so the other guy wouldn't pull the trigger on him. It's always because they want to save the children. You know, we don't want to see And Leia saves him. They don't delve into that. They just play him off as this, like, card-playing goofball like no he's a piece of shit when they meet him there's, yes, a reason, yeah. there's a reason that he's on Tatooine waiting for somebody to randomly bump into him he's a loser it's like Spielberg changed um, the guns in the beginning of E.T. from those FBI guys yeah. into flashlights and, and walkie talkies yeah. yeah. now he regrets it it's like exactly I mean you know, you go back and watch The Wizard of Oz, probably the most beloved children's classic by how many generations and stuff. And I mean, the Wicked Witch and those flying monkeys are terrifying. Yeah, and they don't pull any punches. At one point when Dorothy is at her emotional lull where she's crying, I'm frightened, I'm frightened. And then she sees Andy M and the thing, and then it turns into the Wicked Witch who's basically mocking her and cackling her like, ah! Oh, yeah, yeah, fuck you, kid. You know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> oh, they don't pull that punch. It's like, let's stop treating children like they can't handle, you yep. know, rougher, tougher stuff. Yeah, which yeah. is weird that George Lucas kind of waters down things for kids, and then he has Darth Vader killing kids. Exactly. You know? And then, and then Disney well, doubles down on it with like Kenobi. He like snaps a kid's <laughs> fucking neck in it. <laughs> you know, it was off screen. They were off screen deaths. 
And no, that kid's there. neck got snapped on screen. I'm it, not like, cut. And then, like, they cut to Kenobi. He's like, ooh. Uh. <laughs> 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 oh, man. That's funny. But, yeah, I mean, it's it, it just it, like Disney's decisions on what to show and what not to show is just kind of weird, you know. But that, as a censorship in TV, you know, you that can't say fucking TV or show tits, but you can show a guy's head getting chopped <laughs> off. Well, that, and they're the same company that has Boba Fett taking his spaceship to gun down a biker gang, right? He kills like 40 people, but he's also like the same guy is just hanging out with teenagers. Yeah. What? That makes and no sense. Is he a hardcore killer or is he like a group counselor? What? what it's what? no longer the slave one. <laughs> it's the gun spray fire ship. It's, oh my goodness. That's the worst it's just, thing. They just, it's, like they, they're just so short. I mean, just like with everything that humans do, Star Wars is just so short-sighted with everything that they do. That's why they need people like Filoni to come in. And like, I don't know if you guys saw that little meme that I made with the, the Spider-Man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. together. Like Star Wars is that ship. Like yeah. it can't do anything but explode and destroy itself and smash into every single iceberg in its way because it's just plowing full forward, not thinking about what it's doing. Filoni's like, hold on a second. That's the really hat was a nice touch, John. He, I love Spider-Man that. They're literally trying to hold everything and pull everything together and make everything connect again and be like, no, you know what? Star Wars is actually pretty cool. Spider-Man, yeah. Star Wars, Filoni wrapped it up in one meme. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna go, guys. But it was good talking yeah. with all of you. Yeah. I don't know how long, see how long did you're, you you're the Hayden we really like versus Mr. Christensen. Well, that's good. I like Aiden Christensen. I'll give him his flowers for, you know, uh, coming Maybe. back on screen. He's a, I said you're boring, Hayden, but I like you. Oh, I don't mean man. to say that. There's nothing wrong with being boring. Yeah, cheers, Hayden. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, good to see you guys. Bye. All right. But this is – but, yeah, I mean, when when you see this, we see how Dave Filoni really understands Star Wars – in a way that, you know, maybe some other showrunners don't. I mean, look at the way the Man- Mandalorian season three was, you know, that that was a show that I think it reached its pinnacle when Mando's giving Grogu off Luke Skywalker. I probably would have preferred seeing a different Jedi, to be honest, because we've seen mm-hmm. Luke all the time, but whatever. It was an emotional scene. It was like saying goodbye, you know, to, to someone and to your child and and r2d2 when he shows up is sort of like the heavenly angel uh, assuring you that everything's going to be okay when they reunited in the book of boba fett it deflated all of that you know we all of a sudden were like okay you know we thought these were these two were going to be separated for a while and we were going to see what happens in mando's Mm -hmm. life now that grogu's gone and instead they're like no 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 give the audience what they want Grogu sells or Baby Yoda, whatever, whichever you prefer. He sells a ton of toys. We got to put him back in. And because they did that, Mandalorian season three wasn't that dynamic because all they did was like give Grogu some cute armor. And as John was and, saying, and the best episode of the entirety, the entirety of that Boba Fett show was that episode that you're yeah. talking about. He wasn't even in it. Yeah. <laughs> like Boba yeah. Fett was barely in that episode. And, and, uh, yeah, and to have have that incident happen on another show is like mind boggling, even really. Yeah, that's where. And, you but can see, see, that's where I think there's your. <laughs> yeah, I was a little just a little disappointed earlier when you're talking about how this is all leading sort of set up for movies because I think Marvel has done that too, and I I think one of the problems that I'm having with 
all this stuff and and uh, the entertainment industry is certainly these these big companies that have all these different uh, franchise possibilities and everything else is they want to connect everything. And I think sometimes it's just nice to have something to end or a one-off to your point, Mike. I mean, the end of uh, the Mandalorian was one of the most emotional moments where, you know, he's done this and raising this and protecting this character that changed his whole personality. Really. That's the whole crux of the, the, the arc of the story. And then it doesn't really happen. You know, it comes back and they, they, they also don't really show it properly happening in the Mandalorian, as you said, because it happened in the book of Boba Fett. And it's just, those don't feel like storytellers. Those mm -hmm. feel like corporate people saying, mm -hmm. you know, we yep. need to get the ratings up for Boba Fett. So we're going to do this. And well, mm -hmm. you know, we can't really have Luke being bogged down with a kid. So, and it's like, well, then why do in the first place? I, I mean, I'm just going to bring this up because I'm also a Star Wars. I'm a Star Wars fan as well as a Star Trek fan. Yes, there's some of us who can be both. But I always loved Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, but you never hear them talk about this when they talk about the lore of Star Trek. Is like Star Trek II is The Wrath of Khan, and Star Trek III systematically undid every great thing in Star Wars, in Star mm -hmm. Trek II. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, Genesis is not a shitty planet that was premature to do its thing, and you know it shouldn't blow up, and it shouldn't do all this. And I just, no, no, it's like, let that just be there. And if you need to bring Star Spock, do it a different way. But again... And some of these stories don't make, you know, don't undo what you've done or make decisions that have real consequences as opposed to, well, we did that because it was convenient, but we were never really going to have Grogu go off with Luke Skywalker. What? Yeah. Then why have him be that Jedi? Have it be another Jedi, you know? It could have been somebody else from the books that you guys would know that I don't, but, but the fan fans would go like, well, that's interesting or, or just have him stay around. And then that becomes what's going to happen as he gets older. I mean, I was surprised when they brought back season three and it didn't seem Grogu had, had grown much. He, yeah. you know, if it was three years later and the Mandalorian was in a different place or something, maybe so. And then they could have, you know, like soap operas, you know, the kid goes away for six months and he comes back and he's 18. Yeah. Well, it's like, I don't know how much he could. We can do more cause... stories with an 18 year old than yeah. a 12 year old. I'm not sure how much he could age because he was like 50, you know, when I, I suppose. Uh, but I mean, yeah. it just, you know, it just it seemed a little inert in some respects. Yeah, well, it, it, it just deflates everything. The, mm -hmm. the whole point was this guy, was, he became a father to this child and he had to let him go. And then they're like, no, we're going to make him a daddy again. And it ends mm -hmm. with the corny ending shot with Mando sitting out in the front porch with Grogu next to him. And they do like a little circle close on both of them. I'm going, what? The, the iris, fuck? yeah. Yeah, I'm going. They wrote season three for Bo Katan and all of that cool stuff to happen and just squeezed in and Grogu in there for yeah. like just so they could keep calling it the man. They literally should just switch gears, call it the Mandalorians. And make it all about Bo-Katan. You're right. She was the, I mean, she was really the character that had the biggest arc in the season, wasn't she? Exactly. It didn't really have anything to do with season one or two. Yeah. And I, and yeah, you guys are a hundred percent right. Like it season three and that Boba Fett show completely undo the first two years of that show and bring us basically back to square one. We're like, okay, so he's, he's got this charge again and then they're off on advent. And, and mm -hmm. oh, okay, well, why did you guys waste our time? I mean, they didn't waste our, it was extremely entertaining and some of the best Star Wars that we've ever seen, but. It's like, why did you make that switch to just go right back to the beginning? What are you doing? Right, yeah, where's right. the Force awakening us? 
you know, this yeah. soon in your Disney live action animation debut or like give us a couple of years. I mean, I guess they gave us two years. So and about. your point too, John, <laughs> I mean, I think this is the thing that's happening now. And we've talked about it, Mike, mm -hmm. uh, in person, as well as on some other shows, including yours uh, here even a little bit last week, but the whole time travel thing has become like, well, we'll just employ that in case we need to get out of this yeah. for whatever reason. I mean, it's almost like the soap opera is always saying we won't have the character die. She comes back as her twin or something, you know, yeah. dumb stuff like that. They yeah, get exactly. But I mean, yeah, exactly, exactly. But I mean, you can always somehow time travel and undo the past, undo the future, whatever. So, you know, nobody really dies. Nobody, no action really has that consequences if you can undo it. And you would think that Disney, after really kind of doing it marvelously well, dare I say Marvel, in, um, in Endgame, where it became almost a satire of time travel, where you've got Captain America fighting himself, which was a very funny conceit. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but after that, it's like they keep going back to it, and we're about to go there again with Loki, and we'll see what happens there. I'm hoping good things, but it's if if nothing really matters because you can always jump through a portal, then what am I watching? Yeah, mm -hmm. and that's the I mean that that's what I was worried about when they did the world between worlds with this. I'm like, oh god, are they gonna start retconning things? And luckily they didn't, but they could do that, and they have to be really careful with that. Like they can't can't go back in time and change what happened to Darth Vader. Can't like I don't want to see like Palpatine falling down the chasm of the Death Star, and then all yeah, of a sudden he right. goes through a portal. And he's like, "Ah, how did I get here?" And you know, he just winds up on that bridge. Dark side users do not have access to it. That's the whole point of it. That's the whole but, point of becoming a light side user and becoming one with dark side users cannot become one with the Force. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Right. And you know what would have made this episode just a little bit better after talking to you guys and you're in sort of inspiring me. Tell me if you like this idea, but I wish they would have shown um, Anakin with the young Ahsoka talking. And since it's kind of her memory of it, right, uh, that maybe he was saying some stuff to her that she wasn't mature enough or able to yet sort of talk back to him as and then sort of cross cut that with her in her mind replaying the argument but now as an adult who's lived 40 years and is old looking as, and he says, understands what he says and could throw it back at him more and so mm -hmm. she's almost winning the argument now with her knowledge where he was wrong and and, and his influence on her as a child uh, she, if she had known then what she knows now that would have been interesting I think they could have discussed more of the philosophy and stuff instead they you know default to a lightsaber sword fight which a lightsaber fight which is very good but that would have been a better use of i think like okay here is this really smart plucky ahsoka but she's still a kid now she's mature how would she have reframed that argument if she had it now with him and that's yeah. kind of the whole point of that scene anyway isn't it not yeah yep. the, the whole point was the question her beginning, like that's the full-grown ahsoka in the tiny little body. Like she just, yeah, she, right. she does time travel like Dr. Sam Beckett into her own past. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. into her own body instead of somebody else's body. Nice. Yeah. Very well, nice. She, she, she knew she was in the past because, you know, there's that line where she's like, this is the Clone Wars. And Anakin goes, yeah, it is. You know, it goes, so she See, is. See, I thought that line was for me to let me know that <laughs> this was a scene right now. Yeah. After. Well, I mean, yeah. And th there's also. Oh, that, we're in the Clone Wars. Yeah. Well, but, but they kind of need those lines, you know, just yeah, like sure. there's that, there's that line when you find out that Jason is force sensitive and that's why I can hear the lightsaber fights. Uh, that's mm -hmm. when Hu Yang. Uh, says to uh, what was it? Who did he say it? Who was he talking to? 
but he but but he basically said like you know why can Jason hear all these lightsaber fights and he goes his father was Kanan Jarrus and he had the force mm. and this is why he had so he's explaining it to the audience why Jason is force sensitive but if you know about rebels you know Kanan uh had a relationship with Hera and they had a child but you know they kind of have those little bits of dialogue to explain things to make things mm-hmm. clearer to the audience mm-hmm. and it makes sense why they do that i mean even for me like if they didn't explain that you know, we're in the Clone Wars. I probably would have thought, oh, is she actually going, like, is she actually, like, in the past again? Or no, she's just in a memory as a grown self in a child's mm-hmm. body. Mm, interesting. Yeah. But having... Such a, such a, oh, I just wanted to touch on the um, sound design overall. Oh, Hiding yeah. saber fight in the waves was, that's, un, whoever came up with that is unbelievable. Like, having Jason be able to key in on that and having him hear that is, I don't know. That's just, it's just some of the like Star Wars fantasy that, like we just haven't been getting really. It's just mm-hmm. like this fantastic idea out of nowhere, that's just super cool and works ex- perfectly well with the genre, and you'll never mm-hmm. see it anywhere else. And it's yeah. just, I don't know. It's just one of those moments that I was just like, this is awesome. And it's just so little and so yeah. tiny, but it's. It's just so it's fantastic the way that they do it. And it's smart. And it it's nice to have the kid be that smart and that savvy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the the sound design in the Clone Wars part is great too. You hear the ships going off in the background and guys like screaming orders and like explosions going everywhere, but it's kind of muted. You know, it's not too much at the same time because that's the problem with sound. You could have too much sound. That was the problem with Attack of the Clones. And I saw some YouTube comments of people saying, oh, you know, I wish we could see more battle with this. And I'm like, no, the whole idea is that war is hell. And that's exactly where they are when they're in the middle of this campaign. And yeah, the the, the sound design on that really kind of captured like how horrible, you know, the Clone Wars was. Although, you know, it doesn't seem that bad if you see the Attack of the Clones, but if you see this, you kind of get more of the idea of the casualties involved. And, you know, a lot of that was thanks to the brilliant sound department in it. Like, technically, all around, the sound of the Purgle was real nice, too. Mm-hmm. You know? But yeah, that's how we were standing on top of the ship. Oh, yeah. Coming Beautiful. Up straight out of Rebels, really. Yes. Yeah. We keep saying it, it. This is the live-action animation that we've always, always oh, wanted. Yeah. yeah. From yeah, some of those stunning images were absolutely stunning. I mean, yeah, I just loved it. Yeah, the, I, th- I think it, that they're, give, they're breathing life into the Ahsoka character. Like, they mm-hmm. are giving her a lot of the mannerisms and mm-hmm. a lot of the, the just idiosyncrasies that she had from the TV show. She's, like, outside on the window, like, knocking on the windows, like, Huang, like, go in there, pull in. She, yeah, Like, she's just like this goofball, really. <laughs> with force powers like she's oh man she's just like so in touch with herself and they've nailed it with like i mentioned it earlier she's doing the arm crossing thing right right over the character into the live action mm-hmm. perfectly i think it's yeah. it's i mean it's it's baloney it's his character it's he knows what he's doing but the way that rosario, rosario dawson is carrying the character and the way that they're shooting it and the way that they're bringing this character to life and making me remember how awesome she was as a little kid studying under anakin is just amazing 
Yeah. Mm. And it's funny because I think Ahsoka originally people weren't like that thrilled with the character when the Clone Wars movie came out. But as mm -hmm. the show developed itself over the years, you know, you, they were able to uh, establish these characters and give them some arcs and give them <laughs> some emotion that, you know, was it's kind of lacking in Star Wars, to be honest. Like there is emotion in it. But it can be stoic, especially if you look at the prequels. And to make people actually give a shit about those prequels is pretty impressive. And I think Dave Filoni is going to make us give a shit about the sequels. You know, there's going to be, uh, moving forward, I think there's going to be a plan with Thrawn, maybe with some cloning involving Palpatine. Who knows? I think right now they're not going to go with the cloning route. He's just going to bring in fleets of ships. But... You know what? You know what his ultimate plan is. We'll see. I want to see if they're gonna make him so because they built him up so much. If no one's like really knowing about Thrawn or seeing him, they're gonna go. Well, who is this Thrawn guy? What's the big deal? I'm wondering how are they going to make this guy a real threat that you understand when you get him on screen? Like how how are we gonna see the tactician that we all know brought to live action? And Ahsoka's been chasing him for. Four years now. He was first mentioned in 2000. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Three years now. Episode or season two, right? Yeah. So she's in, in real time. It's been super anxious for everybody watching the show. If you're a Star Wars fan, you're like, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? They're yeah. dropping the name. They said heir to the Empire. Like, we're getting there. We're getting there. The next three hours, the first five seconds of the first episode, blue face right there. Just like mine right here. <laughs> I I don't know if they'll do that because just like we thought this episode. Oh my goodness. These next three hours are going to be the best Star Wars that we've probably seen since Empire, I'm guessing. We'll, we'll see. I wonder if this episode hit the show's peak, you know, no. with all the Clone Wars stuff. I mean, hopefully not. I mean, we know it's going to be a res rescue mission because surprise, the Star Wars is going to be a rescue mission. Uh, but... I don't know if we're going to cut to Thrawn right away because like this episode did, you know, we thought we were going to cut to Anakin right away, but we didn't, you know, we cut to Hera trying to figure out where Anakin is for like a good five minutes. And, you know, when that was going on, I'm like, where's Anakin? Where's Anakin? Where's Anakin? You know, but here I think they'll, they'll probably play against expectations. But once we get to where Balin Orso is, uh, and Morgan Elspeth, uh, we'll we'll finally get some some much needed Thrawn that we've been hoping for and waiting for for a long time. But wrapping up, do you guys have any closing thoughts on this episode or thoughts on what's to come? Did we see Rex? We did, but not his face. No, we we just saw him in the armor, but that's almost enough. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I think it would have cost them more money to DH to wear a Morrison too, so that's probably why they did it. And it was mm -hmm. nice to see Clone Wars trooper armor not done on CGI because in the prequels, all the clone troopers are CGI. Here, they're actually filmed on camera, mm -hmm. and it looks so much better when they do it that mm -hmm. way. Interesting. Yeah, but yeah, having said that, I'm excited to see what they're going to do now that they've set up this journey. You know, they jumped with the Purgle to hyperspace. I want to see where the hell these whales go and what's going on. I think we're in for some trippy stuff with Star Wars. You know, 
it was already pretty trippy this episode with the world between worlds and the purgle to see where they're going to go now has me very excited and having having said that uh let's i'd like to why, why don't you guys close out plugging your stuff so uh jeff go ahead first uh, sure. Um, well, as you can read, I have a movie blog called TheEstablishingShot.org. Uh, it's in its 13th year. Uh, I also write uh, essays about the industry for Pipeline Artist magazine, uh, PipelineArtist.com online. Uh, guesting here, guest other places, and also just started doing TikToks. I do a one-minute review each week of something that's come out along with uh, a caricature that I draw to accompany the review. That, so it sort of becomes a quick little snapshot about mm -hmm. what I thought of something, including the very first one was about Ahsoka. So you can check that. It's uh, Jeff York Chicago on TikTok. I'm four, four weeks in, four episodes in, trying, going to try to do some sort of movie or show every week. And John, if this one is exciting, as you say, I may have to draw – it and come back and say like, oh my God, I didn't think I was going to be drawing Mary Elizabeth Winstead, but <laughs> if I have to, I have to. I am a big Mary Elizabeth Winstead fan, by the way. Oh yeah, she's been fantastic in this. Yeah, and having her do the live action representation of a character that she's already been a part of is like that's just, that's got to be so much fun. I know, is that hilarious yeah. that that ended up that way? And she has a connection to. Um, Ewan McGregor, of course, too, because they were in, what, the third season of Fargo? Uh, I think that's where yeah. they met. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, was that it? I didn't know he was in the third season of Fargo. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, John, what would you like to plug? Oh, Cinema Obscura. We are a library of independent film. Filmmakers from all over the world send us our stuff. We throw it up on Can TV here in Chicago, cable channel 19. It's a local public access channel. If you can't catch us there, we're live in the Logan Theater every fourth Wednesday. So you get a chance to check out independent film, live music, and stand-up comedy all in one place, 7 to 10 p.m. Logan Theater, Chicago, Illinois. That's uh, great. And there's like a Vimeo backup, too, for the TV show. There's like 100 episodes on there. Oh, wow. It's basically to archive and save these uh, independent filmmakers work, music videos, documentaries, short films, all of it in one place. Check us out. Check them out. Really. It's not really about us. Right. Bravo. Well, guys, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, next week, uh, we'll see where things go. Maybe we'll finally get some Thrawn. Uh, we'll see if we're going to be here next week. There is a screening I might be going to, so we might have to delay the episode until another week, but, uh, we'll see what happens with that. We'll keep you posted. Guys. Guys. <laughs> uh, what about a Sunday night? Uh, one, uh... We could, you know what? That could work. <laughs> you know, Sunday night could work, but guys, and the, uh, counter programming to the football. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because, uh, well, after the Bears game, I'm done with football. <laughs> that, that, that was enough. The force is not with them at all. No. But, guys, thank you so much for coming on. If you want to check out my stuff, I am at ypareviews.com. The YPA sensor, you'll probably agree. You'll find reviews for uh, new movies coming out each week. And you can also find new episodes of this podcast on the website and on our YouTube channel at YPA Reviews. So, guys, thank you for watching Ren and Snippy, and hopefully uh, 
Snippy can save Ren, uh, you know, sometime soon. <laughs> All, right. All right, guys. Thanks Thank so you much. so much. Bye.